Tonight we're reading from Psalm 67. Last Sunday evening, I preached from Psalm 66 in preparation for Thanksgiving. Tonight we are turning to Psalm 67 in review of Thanksgiving. It may seem a little bit strange this morning. I talked about the coming of Jesus from Luke chapter 1. I hope you don't mind tonight we go back to Thanksgiving. So reading from Psalm 67, I'll be reading the seven verses. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make His face to shine upon us, that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God, let all the peoples praise You. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for You judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise You, O God, let all the peoples praise You. The earth has yielded its increase, and God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. This is the Word of God. Would you join me in praying? Father, I am so glad tonight to be here with the children that you have called to be yours and to talk together about your Word. The words that we just read were originally written in a language that we do not understand, and a language that was written to people who are very different than we are. And yet the truth that is found in Psalm 67 is a truth that you intended for them and for many generations that followed them, and you intend it tonight for us. And we pray that you would help us to understand, Lord, give me words to speak before your face and to the ears of each one who is here that what I say is faithful and true. Take away any doubts or fears. Replace in each one of our hearts only those things with confidence in you, in your love for us and your desire that we would hear you and follow after you. Thank you for Jesus who said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Father, it is that truth that I count upon tonight as I speak these words to your people. We praise you for this time together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Many of you might know, at least some of you, that I like my car clean. My children will laugh about this. I actually keep a little box of wipes in the side pocket of the passenger door, and every once in a while I pull out one of those armor all wipes and I wipe down the dashboard and the steering wheel and the seats, any place there is dirt or dust. The fact that we live on a natural beauty road, that's what we call it here, means that often my car is dirty on the outside and there's nothing more gratifying to me than to go through the car wash in Ada and look at the mirror that you go through at the end of the car wash and see my reflection with a clean car. I like my car clean. Because of that, I'm never excited about loaning my car to anyone else. If you ask me, I might smile and say on the outside, sure, you can borrow my car, but just understand in the inside, this is a point of struggle and sanctification for me. I don't like it to loan it. Because I'm afraid when it comes back, maybe there will be another scratch, maybe the inside will have a cup on the floor, and maybe the cup holder will be used and some liquid is spilled into it, maybe there will be a little dirt mark somewhere, maybe something's going to happen, and that's going to bother me. And tonight I want to confess to you that the reason it will bother me 
is because I look at my car, maybe as other possessions that I also have, not just as a car, but as a means for me to enjoy life. I believe my automobile exists to make me happy. And if there are things about my car that messes with my sense of the way it ought to be, then I'm not as happy. That happiness I hope to derive doesn't exist. Tonight in these verses we have from Psalm 67, I want to think with you about Thanksgiving afterward, and not just my car. I want to talk about the things that we possess in general. These things might very well be possessions. They also might be time, energy. They might be our position, power, money, whatever they are. Whatever qualifies as something that God has given to me, that's the thing that I want to talk about with you tonight. Because in Psalm 67, especially the first three verses, what we see is that our possessions, these things that belong to us, whatever gift God has given to us, was not designed simply for us to feel good about ourselves and our lives. They are genuine blessings, but these blessings are meant to have an effect, not just vertically, but also horizontally. What God has given to me is meant to lead me to you. That's what I want to say to you tonight, again, from these first three verses. And the first thing I want to say about to me in order to lead to you is that the first verse comes in a certain form that makes what I'm saying rather explicit when you put it in context. The very first verse in this psalm, if you were here this morning, you've already heard. The first verse says, May the Lord be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. At the very end of this morning's worship service, as will be at the end of tonight's evening service, I'm going to read from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 25. And in that benediction, that is that blessing that God commanded Aaron and the priests to give to God's people, the Israelites, it says, may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you his peace. Every time the Israelites came to the temple to worship, Aaron was to pronounce this blessing. It was a blessing that said, our God knows you as his people, you are God's people, and he desires to bless you. Listen every week. You are God's people. He desires to bless you. And the next week you come back and hear, you are God's people. He desires to bless you. And over and over and over and over again you would hear that truth. It was meant as the last thing the Israelites would hear when they worshipped. And so often it is the last thing that we hear when we worship. They were to leave their time of worship with this in mind. We are God's people and God desires to bless us. He intends to be gracious to us. He is smiling upon us in the same way that when the grandparents came over to your house for Thanksgiving, their faces shone when the grandkids were there to welcome them because they were glad they were there. That's the shining face of our God in this great benediction from Numbers when God looks at us. He welcomes us into his presence with a shining face of grace. And I'm saying to you tonight that you ought to say, think the same thing every time you hear that blessing on a Sunday morning or evening. 
It is not just a blessing formula. It is not a wish. It is not something that we hope is going to happen in the coming week. God is pronouncing that blessing in order to communicate to you week after week after week in a rhythm and a pattern that's meant to become second nature to us that you are God's child. He loves you. He cares about you. And he desires to bless you. To put it simply, this is what you should hear. God's disposition towards you is one of favor and blessing. Do you believe that? Do you hear that? Do you know that to be true? To appreciate that disposition, you have to place that blessing that's summarized in the first verse within the context, shall I say, the family that God is speaking to. So there's a form and now there's a family. Everyone would have thought who heard this psalm originally, here are God's words to us. God desires for us to know that we are his people and that God, our God, is committed to blessing us. And they were to hear that within a broader context. In other words, God's desire to bless them was not a one-time thing. It wasn't only in worship. It is a part, it is in fact part and parcel of God's relationship to his people as a whole. Who can expect this, this disposition of blessing? The Psalms answer is all those who belong to God. You can hear this going all the way back to Genesis chapter, chapter 12 and chapter 15 and 17. These are Abraham's children. This is God's chosen people. They belong to the covenant line of Abraham. The familiar words, I will be your God and you will be my people, were not meant just for these people in Psalm 67. They were meant for all God's people, whatever time and place they are in. And grandfathers would pass along to their sons and then to their grandsons. And grandmothers would pass this along to their daughters and their granddaughters. So that they would think to themselves, this God, our God, has promised to care for us and to bless us. Now I know how sort of removed they can sound, so I want to be really concrete with you tonight. In the final sermon that Moses preached to the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 27, he makes a point, rather in chapter 28, he makes a point of laying out all the ways that God would bless his people. I want to read only a short portion of that. He says... And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. That is every area of agriculture of commerce, really the entirety of their lives, Moses is saying, for God's people, he desires to bless you in every single one of these ways. There is no question that being Abraham's children leads to a great blessing as summarized by the ironic blessing we find in verse 1. It's all meant to say, praise the Lord. This is what God gives us. Now I want you to do a little bit of application as I've said this to you tonight. Think about your equivalent blessings in your life. I'm guessing there's not very many farmers here tonight. 
We can't actually go through our herds and count how our sheep have increased or goats have increased. You can, if you are a father or mother of children, look back over this past year and say, look at the way the Lord has blessed my family. Look at the children he's brought into my family or look at the way my children have grown. But you can think of other ways the Lord has blessed you as well. Think of the increase he might have given you in your job. Think of the increase he might have given you in your wealth. Or think of the increase he has given you in your friends or in a home or in some other possession. Whatever it is that God has given to you in terms of an increase, you are enjoying the blessing of this benediction applied to your life. Now you might say to me there are many places in life where I haven't seen that blessing. Maybe there are hardships as well. I note that with you. That is true. We're not running past those things as though they don't exist. But the emphasis in the first three verses of Psalm 67 is not in the places that are not yet or less than they ought to be. We can all find places like that in our lives, can we not? The emphasis is on the other side of it, and that is the place where we have seen the Lord bless. And if you haven't done this already, let me encourage you to do it tonight. Maybe if you're driving home with your spouse or your children, or when you get home, even if you live by yourself, just write down, these are the ways the Lord has blessed me this past year. When the benediction says, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and may he give you his peace, you can mark with pen and paper exactly what the Lord has done. The disposition of the Lord that is summarized by this great benediction in Numbers chapter 6 actually turns into a reality in the blessings that God gives to his people. Is that not true? Have you not seen it in your life? Is God not a God that is favorable toward us and has blessed us? But now I'm delighted to tell you that that just sets you up for what's found in verses 2 and 3. Because there the psalmist says that, and you could put the word for there in there, for in there, the little preposition meaning intention. God has blessed you richly. You can count that. Count those blessings in your life. What is the reason for which God has blessed you? What is meant to be the result of the fact that God has blessed you? Look at verse 2. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. That God has blessed us so richly is meant to bring about a particular result. As I said earlier, there is the vertical dimension of our thanksgiving. We offered God thanksgiving just a few days ago. Praise God for all that he has done. But it's not the vertical only that is noted in Psalm 67. It is also the horizontal that is, the blessings that God has given us that we acknowledge has come from his hand are meant to affect the relationships we have with each other. And you'll notice they are blessings, everything from the saving power of God to those things that are found in God's character in the middle of this chapter and are found in our homes, in our hands, in our wallets, 
at the end of this psalm, whatever blessing it is, the Lord has intended that blessing to have an effect upon human relationships. Now, what does that mean? This psalm is an invitation in verses 2 and 3 to say over and over and over again to whoever will listen, look at what God has done for me. Look at what God has done for me. The people in our communities in the next house over in the neighborhoods that we belong to, down the street, in the various areas of Grand Rapids and Lowell, then in Battle Creek and Kalamazoo, then in South Haven and Grand Haven, then in Jackson and Ann Arbor, wherever there are people who would listen, in Haiti and in Kenya and in the Czech Republic, wherever there are people across the world that we can speak to, that we can tell about what, is God, about what God has done, we should say, look at the way the Lord has blessed me. Would you join me in breaking out in praise to this God? Or maybe I should ask the question differently. Are you known by those around you as a person of thanksgiving? I know that in my own heart, I can be known, truth be told, my wife's not here tonight, but there are times when I could be known as a person of criticism, maybe even being harsh, not a person of thankfulness. But the psalmist says that we should be noted for our thankfulness And when we note our thankfulness, when we invite others to see what God has done for us, then the nations will be glad and peoples from all over the world will say, look at what God has done. Do you see that person's life? Do you see God's salvation? Do you see God's blessing in his or her life? This is nothing less than God at work. And then we say, come along with me and let me show you who this God is. It's for that reason that our Thanksgiving service is one of my favorite services during the year. Maybe it's also that I say relatively less at that service than at other times. But to hear you all speak of what God has done for you in the previous year is amazing to me. And really what you're doing when you say, look at what God has done, is you're inviting everyone else who's listening to break out in praise with you. It's not just for, oh, that's an interesting story. I'm so glad God is doing something in your life. It is an implicit invitation to do exactly what Psalm 67 says. That is, join me in giving praise to this God. Now, I want to contrast that to our culture as a whole, which in my estimation, and if you disagree with me, you're fine to do so, and I'd love to discuss that, but in my estimation... The culture that we live in is not a particularly thankful culture. And there's a reason for that. If you believe that what you have is a product of what you've gotten for yourself, why would you be thankful? Thankfulness assumes that someone has given something to you. It's the reason why after your child receives a Christmas or birthday present, you say, say thank you to the person who gave it to you. You don't say thank you you to yourself when you buy something you've wanted for a long time. There's no reason for thanks. You simply bought it for yourself. But when you acknowledge there is a giver, then you also acknowledge there is someone to be thanked. 
And in a culture where perhaps God is not recognized as a giver of all things, there's no reason to be thankful. Who would you be thankful to? It can be a celebration of all the good things that we possess, but the attitude of thankfulness assumes a transcendent God who is able to give, someone who's capable of giving all this that we enjoy. Again, it requires an acknowledgement that God is able to give in order for us to receive and give thanks. So let me encourage you in that regard. Let me double down on what the psalmist is saying. If you want to be a distinct follower of Jesus Christ in the world in which you live, to be a thank-giving person and to ask others to join with you in thanksgiving is a distinctively countercultural attitude in our world. It is not an attitude that is cultivated. It is not an attitude that is even assumed as necessary. But in a worldview in which God exists, God is great, God is giving, God is the God of Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 25, we will be thankful people, and as we are thankful, we will invite others to come with us to see what God has done. And this call to thankfulness is distinctively Christian in one other respect. And that is we recognize that what we've received is given to us even though we may not deserve it. Here I'm thinking about Philippians chapter 2 where we're called to imitate Christ where Paul, writing to the Philippians, says that this Jesus, who had every glory in heaven, set aside that glory for a time and came to earth and willingly offered himself in our place. He did not hold what he rightly possessed, but gave it up in order to bring glory and honor to his Father. And what I'm suggesting to you is that as imitators of Jesus Christ, there's a similar pattern that we follow. If we look at our possessions, our position, the people around us as simply what we deserve, we hold on to it, we grab onto it, we say, I have done it for myself, it is mine alone to bring me satisfaction. But when we look at what we have with the attitude of Christ, we don't say, I deserve it, I want it, I keep it. We say, I willingly give it up. I'm willing to share it. I'm willing to acknowledge where it has come from. God has given it. And I not only invite you to praise God with me for what he has done, I see what he has given is mine to use to be a blessing to other people. Friends, our blessings are not meant by God to drive us to a sense of pride and self-congratulations nor blessings are meant by God to drive us to a deep appreciation of who God is. To revel not simply in the gifts, but to revel in the giver who is great, who is caring, who has given to us what we do not deserve. To be overwhelmed by the greatness of our God. And if we do that, our possessions, our time, our energy, our hopes, our dreams All of them are not ours. They are gifts from the giver. And we want others to see as clearly as we see the greatness of our God. And so we see what has come to us is meant to go from us 
to others. What God has given to me is not meant for me to hoard. It is meant for me to bring honor to our God. I want to end tonight by asking you to run a little test on your own heart this evening. When you reflect on what God has given to you, these blessings, do they lead you to others? Do they lead you to call others to thank God with you? Or do your blessings lead to a sense of entitlement, of hanging on with both hands to what you have? Do you think about how strongly you want to preserve what you have for yourself to make your life great? Or do you think about the kindness of God in these gifts and the desire that others would recognize God with you as you point to the great giver? Do these gifts move us to tell others what God has done and to say over and over and over with the people of God across the ages, praise God for what he has done. Praise God for what God has done. Praise God with me for what God has done. Amen. Father, we hear these words again from Psalm 67, and again we acknowledge that these thoughts, these words, this instruction, this infallible word is meant for us tonight. And even though it is hard for me to understand how these words would impact each person who is here or listening over the internet, we know that your spirit is able to minister in ways that go beyond our understanding at the moment. And so we pray that you would do exactly that, that you would bring honor to Jesus Christ who himself was selfless in the way that he gave himself up for the blessing, for the blessing of us as his people. And we pray that we would view what we have in a similar way, not holding on to the things that we possess, but being willing to give them up in order to bring glory to our Father in heaven. Lord, in whatever way that is necessary for our hearts to hear, we pray that you would do so, for we desire to follow our Savior Jesus in every way. We pray in his name. Amen.